Welcome to the Tim Fowler Show, where production is paramount and we discuss the tools, time, and people associated with getting jobs done and making a profit. On today's episode of the Tim Fowler Show, we will be talking about a different calling with the help of special guest Aaron Gakey of Cross in San Antonio, Texas. Alongside Tim Fowler, I'm your co-host Steve Wheeler. Here is the Tim Fowler Show. Hey everyone, Tim Fowler here and welcome to another episode of the Tim Fowler Show. Keep the ideas coming in. Let me know what you're thinking. Give me some feedback at tim at remodelersadvantage.com. Now, we've done a number of episodes that are centered on the idea that we can look outside of our industry to bring in effective managers. Now, these can be either production managers, like episode 157 with Charles Boucher, who came from the automotive manufacturing world, or maybe like uh, episode 159 with August Bergdahl on hiring a trade contractor to become your production manager, which was very effective for them. We've also seen many different companies that have found great success in hiring project managers from outside the industry and training them to be project managers in construction. So today we're going to continue that thought, but there's a little bit of a twist So all the folks that we've talked about before have come to us from what, pardon me, people would typically call real jobs, right? (laughs) What I mean is that uh, they were in some kind of management related to building something, okay? So our guest today comes to us from church ministry, what many people call a calling, not a job. And as many of you know, I started my working life as a youth minister and switched over into construction as well. So I'm really excited to hear from our guest and perhaps broaden everybody's view about where we look for the talent that we need in this industry. So, Steve, let's get started. All right. So Aaron Rev Gakey is the production manager for Cross in San Antonio, Texas. Aaron has been with the company for 18 months and in that time has successfully freed up the owner to concentrate on sales instead of dividing his time between sales and production. This has resulted in a pipeline of business with an average size of 300,000 with projects starting every two weeks with starts booked through the summer. Welcome to the show, Aaron. Thank you very much. Great to be here. All right. So give us just a little bit more about uh, Cross. I know you've been on with us before but just a little bit more about like the volume that you're doing. How do you mm-hmm. run production? Is it all subbed out? Is it in-house? That kind of thing. Sure thing. Yeah, we um, we run a project management system here. So I've got uh, five project managers. Um, one of them handles specifically just warranty project management. Uh, and then I've got with the project managers, I've got two um, field supervisors, a uh, a construction supervisor and a paint supervisor that that supervise our own in-house carpenters and painters. And um, we use subs for things like um, electrical and plumbing and HVAC, uh, you know, and and some of the larger site work kind of stuff. Um, But other than that, we try to have our people do it because we control the quality of it that way. 
All right. So um, do you have any background in construction before you came to Cross? Yeah, I did. Um, I did build some custom cabinetry for a while. I got into uh, construction. I had interest in it uh, growing up. Um, and then my, uh, my great grandfather was a carpenter. And, um, when I got into college, uh, I couldn't afford furniture. <laughs> and so, uh, lived pretty close to my uncle who had a full shop of things. And he helped me to kind of get, uh, my first taste of what it was like to build a piece of furniture. And then, um, after I got married, got into custom cabinetry for, for a while, learned so much from needle, Neil Peterson and Peterson Woodcrafts there in Bandera, Texas. And, um, yeah, and from from there, God called me a few different places, and and uh, most recently, before this, it was into the church, and uh, yeah, for eleven years as a pastor. So, what is your education as a pastor? What what just give us give us a little bit of an idea about the training that you had with that? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I had a bachelor's degree prior to going to seminary, and then I had four years of seminary um, where I learned all kinds of fun things that are so useful, like, uh, how to read Hebrew and how to read <laughs> Greek and, um, things like that. Uh, and then, you know, some of those things that, that try to be practical, but, uh, try to teach you how to relate with people and be a leader and manage, uh, budgets and all that kind of stuff. Wow. It's amazing. The more you talk, the more we have a lot in common. For example, my great grandfather was a carpenter and I, wow. I still have his trim planes. You know, they used to make all the trim. And I have those old wooden trim planes that uh, have been passed down through the family for a little bit. So there's quite a bit of a common ground here. For, yeah. for us. When you come to San Antonio, I'll have to show you a lot of uh, a lot of his old tools I have here in my office. Oh, yes. That would be mm-hmm. that would be really <laughs> cool. So. All right. So now you're, you work for Cross. How did you actually get in contact what was the process for you even being introduced to cross Mm -hmm. and the possibility that you might work there well um in in 2020 um i had resigned my position uh at the church uh due to a number of different things kind of some personal things going on and whatnot and didn't have any idea what was coming next and um i took the opportunity to kind of clear my head for uh, a month or so. And then I said, you know, really, I really need to make sure that we're going to keep food on the table and whatnot. And I just, <laughs> I prayed about it, honestly. And I just asked to be led to, to what was going to be best. And um, I saw the job advertised on one of the uh, uh, online, you know, forums there and uh, okay. thought, you know what, I've, with the, with the, the first line that they had advertised in that job description was somebody to help mediate uh, conflict between project managers and clients and project managers and management. And I'm thinking um, mediating conflict is what I've done for the last 11 years. I, I can handle wow. that. And then there's, you know, of course, all the construction stuff that I had had by that time, a pretty good uh, introduction to even throughout ministry. I did a lot of mission trips and service projects where we were constantly building things for people and designing stuff for those who couldn't afford it. And so uh, I applied and fortunately was given the opportunity to interview and made it through. So this is absolutely amazing. I cannot imagine 
an ad for an employee employee to say, we want the we want you to, you know, negotiate between clients and projects. That's just so like mind boggling to me, that would turn, that would turn me off. That would mean mm. like too much conflict there for me. And mm-hmm. so maybe I'd just turn around and go someplace else. That's absolutely incredible. So we have a new um, income path where you can start writing ads for people that will actually be attractive to a lot of others outside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so what was it that, I mean, you've been working in ministry, you say 11 years at that Correct. point. What was it other than the fact that it, it sounded like maybe you were kind of done with ministry, at least on a full time basis? And again, some very strong similarities to, mm-hmm. to my path. But what made this job attractive to you? Well, like I said, I always had a love for construction and, and primarily carpentry, finished carpentry. And when I saw the level of quality uh, that Cross puts into their projects, um, and knowing that our owner, Craig Scott, he'd started this business with the idea that he wanted it to be different for the, uh, for the employees, especially the employees in the field, than anything else around. Because uh, he knew what it was like to come up through, uh, through the ringer, you know, and uh, be mistreated in the field and not given good benefits. And, and he didn't want anything like that to happen. And so he crafted a company to put the, to put the employees first and, and hold them up. And gives them great opportunities. If somebody's willing to work and willing to learn, they can succeed here at Cross. And uh, when I began to understand what the, the culture is where they were trying to set, it just seemed like a really good fit for me. Wow. So give us a little idea about uh, what, what were they doing for the employees that kind of stood out for you that made it, made it so different? Because that's obviously a key in your mm-hmm. mind. So. I mean, again, I deal with a lot of different companies, do a lot of different things. I'm kind of curious what that, what's different there. Right. You know, um, one of the things is just the, the, the employee handbook highlights a um, putting family first. And so that was one of the first things. And a lot of people can say that and then not stand behind it. But when you say we put family first and then you follow that up with, the entire company gets the week of Christmas off paid. Well, that's okay. Well, that's different, you know, especially for somebody who's hourly um, out in the field. If you don't work, you don't get paid kind of a thing. And to have that um, offered uh, along with all of the regular federal holidays um, to have uh, a volunteer day that is offered to give to your favorite charity. And that's a paid day that you can take every year as well. There were just a number of these little benefits here and there that seemed to stick out as uh, we don't just say we're family friendly. We stand behind it and, and offer. And then if somebody, you know, here knows, um, knows a, a, another worker who might be good at cross and they refer them in, if they refer them in and we hire them and they stay for 90 days, they get a $400 uh, bonus, you know, for having referred in a good fellow employee. Yeah. Now, there's a number of little perks like that that I just think stand out. Cool. That's really cool. So you see this, uh, you, you say, you know what, this looks like a good place for me. Um, you were offered the job. 
sink or swim or eased <laughs> in. I mean, maybe maybe we need to be careful what we say exactly here, but I'm kind of interested yeah. because again, the idea that you did not come from production management mm-hmm. and now you're with this company that in some ways they're taking a, a chance on you. Right. And you're taking a little bit of a chance on them. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the the process for getting you into this role so that you could fully embrace it? Well, that's a, that's a great question. Um, you know, for the first uh, few, for the first month, maybe two months, I just spent a lot of time with Craig, our owner, and uh, kind of learned a lot about how he does things and how he uh, expects things to be done for him and in his absence. Um, one of those was I was at every, he would have weekly meetings with the project managers and the production team. And I would attend all those and just kind of observe. Um, as I got more comfortable with the team, then I started running those meetings with him in there. And then pretty soon he said, well, you got this. And, and he kind of cut the reins there. Um, as far as the production management part of it, um, there was a steep learning, learning curve on that, uh, on that part of things. Um, as far, when I was in, um, ministry, you know, there's a lot of management that happens there. Um, and in some ways, uh, you know, however big your congregation is, that's how many bosses you have. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and, and so when you, uh, when you, <laughs> you know, exactly what I'm talking about. When, when, when to come here and, and know, um, you know, this is, these are the things that are expected of me and so on. You know, um, it was different to have to really look at schedule and budget on a weekly basis. Um, in the church, you know, I had people to do those things for me in, in some cases. Um, scheduling, well, you know when Easter is, you know when Christmas is, you know. Right. That's about what you got to you know, keep track of. But um, for me, what I really resonated with was, and I think what Craig saw in me is that I was able to develop those relationships with the team. And I, I want to make sure that I didn't misspeak earlier, you know, navigating the conflict between management and project managers or project managers and clients. It's not that there was just an abundance of conflict, but it was, they wanted somebody, they saw that as a potential um, hurdle that needed to be right. overcome. And if yeah. they could be the best that they could be, they wanted somebody in there. And, um, yeah, so that was, I think what Craig saw that they, they began to trust me really quickly. And so he kind of, he kind of cut me loose, maybe a little too early, honestly. Um, because man, I had a lot of learning to do. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's really interesting. But even though, even, you know, two to three months of just, you know, kind of working with it, I tell the story about the company that I went to work for as production manager. Now I had been in the field. I'd had my own company at, at some point. I was hired as the production manager. I showed up Monday morning and my boss goes, glad you're here, Tim. Glad you're, and here's your office. Here's your computer and uh, go for it. You know, and I, <laughs> I'm sure it wasn't quite that bad, but that's the way I remember it. And so I'm always curious as to how people get kind of into this role and particularly as they come from um, kind of outside outside the industry. So I think that's a a great thing. So what are some of the things that the skills you've alluded to them a little bit from the ministry days that you literally, you just know, I I brought these over with me to 
if you will, your ministry at Cross. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what are some of those skills that you brought over and particularly as they relate to maybe anybody listening to this podcast could go like, we need to find somebody with that skill because right. that's something that's important in production management, not just how big does the beam have to be. Mm-hmm. And, and like, you know, when you interview anyone, they can tell you whatever they want to tell you. Right. And you, you kind of sometimes just have to see the, see the proof. And uh, for me, I knew that one of my skills is listening. And a lot of people say that they've got good listening skills until you actually meet them and, and they don't listen to a word you say. Um, right. But for me, being able to listen, to um, respond to the things that I'm hearing, uh, not you know, challenge when needed, but be able to kind of walk with people in the place where they are and understand what their, their hurdles are. I've always considered myself, um, you know, especially doing a lot of marriage counseling and things like that. I considered myself to be a translator. Um, I would translate husband into wife and wife into husband. And, um, and a lot of times people are saying the same thing, but they think they're against each other. And so they've kind of developed this blockage in their, in their ears from hearing what the other one is saying. And so to be able to, um, to be able to help, uh, you know, people at different levels understand, Hey, this is how this person's feeling. Um, whether or not it's accurate is, is really irrelevant. This is how they're feeling right now. So how are we going to mitigate that and, and uh, make, cause they're a great employee. We got to make sure that they're going to be able to move forward and give the keys for success and so on. And you got to have the patience for that. And some people don't, especially in production. Uh, it's, it's, it's production is not, not often a place where patience is at a, you know, a, a pinnacle because um, you're always wanting to move things faster. You want to make, get it done. And so to be able to sit back and have a fairly lengthy conversation that seems like maybe it's not about work um, sometimes pays extreme dividends for that person who just needs to be heard, then they can breathe. And then they, man, they hit the ground running and they get done more than they did the past two weeks. Um, so those, those will be some of the first things. Also some communication skills are, are pretty valuable as well. Knowing how to word things, uh, how not to word things and <laughs> um, monitoring your facial expressions and body language and all of those kind of things come in handy. So uh, just a kind of a follow-up to that, um, really listening to people, uh, I, I kind of got the idea of, of some empathy mm-hmm. in there. Do you literally, do you, do you plan for that in your schedule? And in other words, um, I wrote a little article in my newsletter about, you know, capacity beyond the tasks where you have the ability to sit back and say, what else, instead of just doing, 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 and do you actually, as part of your production management literally go like, I've got time set aside where I'm just interacting with people to make sure they feel needed and, and wanted and loved, if you will. Right. No, that's a great question. And I'm going to, I'm going to pull a Jesus trick on you and I'm going to ask you a question in response to your question. Here. Okay. Um, so if you had project managers that had an average of three jobs each that they were managing one time and each job let's say is, you know, $200,000, um, you know, kitchen and bath remodel or a whole house remodel, whatever it might be. How, how much time each week do you think you would need to sit with them to discuss those three projects? Well, 
first of all, if I have to answer, I would I would minimize what they're going to the information they're supposed to bring back to me. In other words, mm-hmm. I don't want to hear every gory detail. I want to hear the minimum amount. Uh, but I would say an hour, an hour and a half. Okay. Yeah. And so that's what I, that's what I generally set up each week with my project managers is an hour and an hour and a half. And honestly, because we do minimize what needs to be brought to me and because I trust them and their management skills and really only need to confront things if there's a, a big question. Otherwise I'm just equipping them to do their job. Well, I probably have an hour of each of those meetings to just, how are you doing? You know, what's going on in life? Um, you know, how you told me last week that you were getting ready to buy your house, you know, how's that coming or whatever it might be just, uh, being in that place with them or, Hey, I know this has been a stressful week with this project and all the change orders and the client, not, you know, <laughs> it's, I, I get it. Is there, is there anything I can do for you? And, um, I just want you to know that I'm in this with you. you know? Let me know what I can be for you. Some people I've got one project manager. She just wants, she just wants me to listen. And right. I don't need to solve a dang thing. She's fantastic. I've got another one that she wants me to say, good job, way to go, you know, and, um, and maybe sometimes help to solve some big problems and figure out how we're going to move faster. So knowing your people is important. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, You've likely heard me refer to our roundtables program for production managers. In fact, many of the people that have been on the show are members of that and often are our most popular guests. If you're not familiar with it, several years back, we took the roundtables concept that's been so popular with Remodelers Advantage members and started groups specifically for production managers. Very similar format to what the owners are doing, but focused on production issues and really diving into best practices among some of the best remodeling companies out there. We meet twice a year for two days, collect and discuss performance metrics for each company, and we support each other throughout the year with microboards, smaller groups of your peers who meet monthly via Zoom or by phone to discuss issues and ask for input. So whether you're a business owner looking to involve your production manager or a production manager that needs help taking your department to the next level, we have a spot for you if you're interested. If you are interested in learning more, go ahead and email me at tim at remodelersadvantage.com and I'll tell you all about it. So what do you think, I mean, other than maybe more construction knowledge than you had before, like framing and pat load paths and all that kind of stuff where you might not have had a lot of experience with that. But what do you think you've learned from being in this, this role with Cross? Hmm. Um, I think I've learned that a lot of, there is a lot of overlap uh, from industry to industry when it comes to leadership and management, because leadership and management is really it transfers from industry to industry, from place to place. And so that's one of the first things. It's, it's, it's not like having to learn an entirely new language. Sure, you're going to have to learn, you know, a lot of, uh, of the acronyms that are out there, you know, <laughs> OSB and LVL and all of the, you know, fortunately, I had some of those things uh, already, but it's, it is. It's like a different, uh, different language with, with the construction terms. But as far as the leadership stuff, no, it's easy. And 
you know, to come in and say, hey, you know, I think we're going to do a, uh, I'm going to be reading this book. It's on on leadership and stuff. And I, I'd love it if anybody wanted to read it with me and discuss it. And we had a book club, you know, that met early in the morning before on, you know, once a week and, and run through a, a book that we kind of all agreed on. And then one of my project managers took that whole thing over and she started running us through, here's the next one we're going to read. And so um, to, uh, to, you, you know, utilize that transfer leadership skills, that's, that's one of those things. But one of the other things that I've learned, which was your question, um, is that no matter where you go, there is an established culture and that has to be both respected and challenged. Um, and so you need to respect the culture that's already been built and not go in there like you're going to be some kind of a bull in a china shop and just knock it down and try to build something different. But at the same time, you need to be vigilant enough to say, okay, here's a part of this culture that might be a little bit toxic and, and know how to confront those things in a, uh, in a teamwork kind of a way and not an adversarial kind of a way. Um, I'd say that those are probably two of the bigger things that I, I learned. So again, a little follow-up, was this the first time you've ever had to fire somebody from a job? No. I'm, um, I'm thinking like you'd like, probably like to fire some of those people from church, but you really can't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would always joke with the other pastors, like in the area that we needed to come up with uh, parishioner trading cards. And um, <laughs> <you know. laughs> so, um, but the, it's not the first time that I had to fire somebody. Um, I, I have had to fire more people since I've been here than I have at any other place. And it happened sooner in my tenure here than it did anywhere else. Um, and I'm learning to do that better. Um, and just for the benefit of the team, realizing that, you know, this is something that, this is something that needs to be taken care of and your team begins to trust you more if you're willing to take those hard steps. Yeah, definitely. So kind of circling back, are you still involved in ministry uh, at all as you go forward? Yeah, there's a number of churches around that, you know, they don't have a, a full-time pastor. They're looking for a pastor. And so uh, I'm frequently called upon to preach on a Sunday or teach a Bible study or something like that. Um, I've been working with one church now for several months, uh, almost every Sunday. Wow. So you keep it, keeping your hand in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And people still come to me with their problems, <laughs> whether, <laughs> whether I want them to or not. <laughs> yeah. I suppose that, uh, that eats, that can eat up into your private as uh, private schedule a bit, can't it? It can, if you don't put boundaries on it. Yep. So as we wrap it up here, Aaron, this has been absolutely fantastic. I, I tell people all the time when I get excited about something, I'm not faking it. I, I love these conversations mm -hmm. and I love learning what's going on out there. But uh, a lot of contractors listen in on this. What would you tell a contractor that that might be looking outside the industry, particularly for a production manager? What would what would you how, well, how would you guide them to make a good mm -hmm. choice, I guess? I would say that that culture trumps almost almost everything. If somebody can't fit into your culture, then they can't fit. And it doesn't matter how much industry knowledge they have. But if you can find somebody who can mesh pretty seamlessly with your culture, you can probably train them to do just about anything. 
And if you're looking for somebody in a management role, understand that leadership and management skills are just that. And it, those skills can transfer from industry to industry to industry. I honestly believe I could be a, a, a manager in, in, in pretty much any industry out there, you know, um, because I know people. And if I can equip people to do their job, it doesn't matter what that job is. Uh, yeah. I can inspire, I can motivate, I can equip, I can uh, hire and fire. And so I would say just uh, keep that in mind, know what your company's culture is and hire for the culture um, more than for the techni technical knowledge. That's so fantastic. Thank you so much, Aaron, for being here today. That's really great. This is enlightening. I hope everybody that listens, it really pays attention because there's so many golden nuggets there. Well, thanks so much. It was great to be here. Thanks, Aaron. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. So, Tim, very interesting to, uh, I knew your background and, and I've, I've spoken with Rev a lot in the past. Um, so, you know, this is a fantastic episode, not just, you know, knowing that there are many people that can bring skills from outside the industry, but just hearing Rev's story in particular and, um, you know, the similarities with yours, what are some of the things you took from this? So there's just all kinds of good stuff. And, and what's really cool about the podcasts in general, but this one and another one that we've done recently is just this idea that they mesh so much and you can have somebody that's living in, and consulting in Seattle and somebody in San Antonio, and they basically are saying the same things about leadership and management and people dealing with people as opposed to, you know, things. And uh, I think I, I, I made special attention to this idea of the people culture at Cross. And a lot of companies have really tried to do that. And, and like, like Aaron said, the whole idea that, you know, you can say that you're about the people, but are you really about the people when it comes right down to it? And then I think just the transference of good people skills from one trade, if you will, or one profession to another, and just like listening skills, being able to challenge when needed, walking in their shoes, translating uh, basically helping people understand what's really being said, having patience, just all those things. And of course, I made the point of saying, you know, other than construction knowledge, but I think he made the point really well of saying, look, that stuff, anybody that's smart enough to read a book can learn terminology and, yeah. Yeah. you know, ha load paths and all those things that another person might need. But those people skills, I think are much harder to learn and take a lot more time to practice. And in some cases, our personalities kind of work against us uh, in those things. So I just, I just hope people will, you know, pay attention and listen and don't write it off as just, you know, can't be done, but make a point of going like that. Those are some things I need to learn. Yeah, so important. Well, once again, we want to thank Aaron Geeky for joining us today. And we always want to thank you for listening to another episode of The Tim Fowler Show. And remember, at The Tim Fowler Show, we're working hard to eliminate it is what it is from your vocabulary. This has been another episode of The Tim Fowler Show. Want to hire Tim and fast track your growth? Visit remodelersadvantage.com slash consulting to learn more. 
And if you'd like more information about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program, please send me an email at steve at remodelersadvantage.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.